feel like I'm still recovering from church time as family time because uh, when Vanessa shook the box and asked what they could hear, Dave let out a very audible meow <clears throat> to which Matthew and I both lost all our focus. So we're going to pull it back together. Uh, well, last week, last week, Dave and I joined our older son, Mac, where he goes to school up in Tallahassee for a college football game. And uh, I've been to other college football games, but this one we were invited to sit in the student section, which I've not done before. Um, And it was fantastic. Like the energy of the kids around us was electric. Uh, We stood up on the bleachers for the entire five hours of that game. We yelled until we lost our voices. We danced to the music and jumped up and down a lot. We like high-fived strangers every time they scored. And it just felt so good uh, to play, to be silly and loud and crazy together. And the next day when we woke up, it felt so good to take all of the Advil (laughs) that I was allowed to take. But it got me thinking. It got me thinking that we as adults, uh, we just don't play as much as we used to. We don't play as much as we used to. Unless you have little people in your house, when's the last time that you played hide and seek or laughed until you cried and like your stomach hurt? or sang really loud and danced around the living room just because you could. We played all the time when we were kids. Anything could be a game. Any object could be a part of a game. But then we grow up, and life gets really busy. Uh, Sometimes it gets really hard. Our days are really full. Our lists get really long. We stress too much. We get sick and tired and cynical. And the world is a mess, and our lives start falling apart, and life as adults gets really serious. It's serious business. We don't get to play anymore. That's kids' stuff. But it turns out that it's not. There's a lot of research that points to the importance of play for adults, because play changes us. At a biological level, it releases all these chemicals that make us feel happy and strengthen our bonds to other people. In our work, it makes our thinking more creative and innovative. That's why those big companies have crazy things like ball pits and game tables for their employees. Play improves our sleep, it decreases stress, and overall it increases our measure of happiness. And that's all great. So play is clearly good for us even as adults. But what does play have to do with our faith? What does play have to do with our faith? Mike Eccanelli writes uh, this in his book, Dangerous Wonder, and this quote is in your bulletin. The other quote I'll use today is as well. He writes this, he says, play is an expression of God's presence in the world. One clear sign of God's absence in society is the absence of playfulness and laughter. Play is not an escape. It is the way to release the life-smothering grip of busyness, stress, and anxiety. Playfulness is a modern expression of hope a celebration of the flickering light of the gospel that plays with the dark by pouncing on the surrounding darkness like a cat toying with a mouse. Play is an expression of God's presence in the world. So we're in the sermon series Wonder here at church during Advent, and we're looking at how we as adults recover some of that childlike faith that we once knew. And today I'd like to make a case that play is not only good for you, that play is not only good for you, and it's not even just a good way to reclaim like wonder as we lead up to Christmas, but I also believe that play can be a spiritual practice, that play can be a spiritual 
practice. Spiritual practices are those things that we do to work out our faith, to draw closer to God, to experience that connection that we're looking for. And play can do that for us. But I'd like to spend a little time talking about the two things that I believe get in our way. And that's what we're going to take into our scripture today. This is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. It says this. Immediately, he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. I pause there. I love Jesus in this story. Matthew tells us it's Jesus who put the disciples in the boat and made them go out into the water in the first place. And then he waits a while and the boat gets out and then he casually walks by on the water look guys, look what I can do. He's casually walking by and the disciples, they freak out. They're so afraid they don't even recognize Jesus. They think he's a ghost, even though they had spent all of this time with Jesus, even though they had seen all of the things he had done, all of the miracles, all of the actions, They still, they still don't trust that he is taking care of them. No matter how much Jesus did in their lives, they still think that they are in charge. They still believe that their lives are completely under their control. And you and I do this too. We do this too, and this is an obstacle to play. God has done things in your life. I don't know all of them. I don't know a lot of what they are. Maybe you're not even sure what they are, but God's there. And God's doing things in your life all the time. But no matter how close you are to God, it is always going to be tempting to hold on to the reins of your life and think that you're in control of all of it. Maybe you used to trust God and you're like, God, it's yours. You got it. But then as time went on, you know, life got busy and it got difficult. You started to believe, you know, this is really all up to me. Somewhere along the way, you stopped truly believing that God was there. Or maybe you never really believed that to begin with. And you stopped playing because you don't have time to play when you're too busy keeping an eye on everything. That's control. Control is really seductive for us. I know it is for me. In my house growing up, the mantra, if everything was going well, was you've got everything under control. Boy, is that seductive for us. So when things go well with our job or our kids or our future, we chalk it up to our diligence. Because I kept an eye on it, everything went well. But then life deals us a blow and the winds pick up. And every illusion we had of control is shattered. So of course we're afraid. Of course we're afraid. But you don't have to be. To have faith like a child, you have to let go of the control. God can be trusted. God can be trusted, and the fate of the world really isn't up to any one of us. The fate of the world's not up to you. 
There are some things you can do in your life to get where you want to go or to plot the course and do the stuff, but at the end of the day, that big stuff, the stuff that really matters, it's all in God's hands. And play reminds us of that. It makes us stop taking ourselves so seriously, and we can play because we know God is in charge of it, and we don't have to keep an eye on it all the time. We can let go of the wheel because we were never in charge anyway. All right, back to our scripture, verse 28. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. He started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. We give Peter a really hard time in this story for losing faith, but let's remember, he was the only disciple who got out of the boat. He was the only one who stepped out. And when Peter saw how hard it would be to walk on the water, when he realized he might fail, that's when he started to sink. I think we have a lot in common with Peter here, too. It's much easier to stay in the boat than to take a risk, especially if that risk means we might fail. We are much more comfortable sticking to things that we know we can be successful in. And failure, failure makes us feel terrible, makes us forget who we are. We don't like that feeling, so we avoid it. It makes us question everything. But to have faith like a child, have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to fail. The best things that God is going to give to you will never happen in the safety of the boat. They won't. And the good news is that when you do fail, and you will, God loves you in spite of it, and God's going to meet you right there in it. Play, by definition, requires a willingness to fail. If you laugh, you might snort a little bit. That's all right. If you dance, you're going to fall down. If you play a game, you might lose. Even if you're a five-year-old playing against Dave and I, we play to win. If you play a game, you might lose. If you sing, you might be terrible at it. But when you play, it challenges you to let go of that fear of failure and trust that God's love for you is enough. All right, so those are two of the core truths that we find in the scripture, that God is in charge we are not, and that God meets us right where we are in our failures and in our sin and in our brokenness. And play, play is how we practice these two truths. I want to think back to our Bible story for a minute, and can you imagine what it would have been like if the disciples really believed those things, if they believed that Jesus was really in charge and that failure was fine? I'd like to picture them, and they're out there in the boat, and they see someone walking towards them on the water, and they're curious, so they start hollering questions at him, asking him who he is. They aren't really that scared because they know there's nothing they can do. They're in a boat in the middle of the water, and it might be a ghost, but they know that God's with them, so they see how it plays out. Then they realize it's Jesus, and they start cracking up. Maybe Jesus moonwalks by them, you know, on the boat. 
Then Jesus gets closer and they start clamoring over each other to see who else can try it too and who can be the first one to jump out of the boat. And Peter does make it out of the boat and he does a cartwheel and he's feeling like really good about it. But then he tries to leapfrog over the boat and he crashes into the water. He starts sinking, maybe tries to climb up on the boat and capsizes the whole thing. Now there's disciples everywhere and they're just wet and they're a mess and they're splashing each other. They're trying to get the boat right, but they're laughing too hard to do it. But they trust Jesus enough to play because they know he's in charge and they know they can fail and he'll love them anyway. Now at this point, I might be losing some of you because play, you know, that sounds great. But maybe you're someone who's suffered a lot. And so play just sounds a little ridiculous. The kind of thing that's for people who have everything going right in their lives. And here's the truth. Suffering does that to us. When you suffer, play is going to be one of the first things to go. In college, I volunteered in a children's hospital in the chaplain department. And so our whole job was to go around and talk to parents and to pray and to get to know these families and their kids who were sick. And that's when I met someone called a child life specialist. Some of you have met them too. And a big part of their job was helping sick kids remember how to play. The suffering that they were facing made these kids grow up way too fast. And play was the first casualty of that in their lives. And the specialist came in and brought games and activities and laughter and music to try and help them remember how to be kids and how to play, and they did. So I know some of you have suffered. I know that. And all of us in one way or another have, some of you more than others. But the call to play as a spiritual practice is not asking you to pretend that things are fine. They're not fine. It's not asking you to lie and put on a happy face when things are hard, because that's not spiritual. That's cruel. It's not asking you to, like, shove down all that pain and emotion that you're having and play hide-and-go-seek like everything is just great. Instead, it's a permission to let go even when everything's falling apart. Courtney Ellis uh, wrote this about play. This one's in your bulletin, too. She said, Christians can engage in whimsy not because life is easy, but because life is difficult. Paradoxically, feelings of sadness and loss and logging and pain can and often do coexist with playfulness. Often it is the suffering that breaks our hearts open to the human necessity of play. People who have it all together, or at least appear to, love to take themselves too seriously. But those who know of their desperate need for God and their own fallibility and foibles can begin to give in to the release of playfulness. What grace and what relief that is perhaps for this reason that Jesus speaks so strongly of the place of sinners and the kingdom of God and the struggle for self-righteousness will have in entering it. So I don't believe that God put suffering into your life to teach you something. I do believe we learn a lot about God when things are hard. And the hardest situations are often the times that we're going to realize you don't have any control over your life. You're going to realize just how broken you are and just what you can't do and can't control and how real your fears and your failings are. But it's when we let go of all of that, our illusion of control, our illusion that we can somehow be perfect, that's when we can play. So play isn't something we only do when we're happy. And in fact, play might be the thing that those of you who have suffered will find that you're better at than other people. 
And it's a testament of God breaking into your life right where it is. All right, now play is not just important for us. This is a part of our witness. It's not just something we do for us. It's something we do for the people out there. You may not know this, but Christians don't have a great reputation of being super fun. People aren't like, Dave and I can testify this. People aren't like, let's have a raging party. You know who you should invite? A couple of pastors. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Because, yeah, we as Christians, we take things pretty seriously. Our faith is a very serious business, and that's true. What Jesus has done for us is very real. And the cross of Christ cost God everything. And so we don't take that lightly. But God's love for us and what that means, it is also the best news in the world which this means we as a church, people who have fully acknowledged our failures and our sin and our brokenness, and we know what it costs God, but we know we are saved by grace every day. Shouldn't we be some of the most fun people to be around? Because we're released from all that stuff that we know is not true. We can play because God's got it. And we're a mess, but God saved us anyway. And if we took that seriously, if we really believed it, I think we'd play a lot more. And other people would be curious to hang out with us because they'd wonder how we seem to be having such a good time when things are hard. Can you imagine if out in the community people are like, I don't know what's happening at Maitland Presbyterian Church, but every time I go there, they seem like they're having a really good time. <laughs> so I want to go be a part of that. Play is a spiritual practice, and it's a part of our witness. All right, so where do we start? How do we start playing? First, we have to remember how to play. And the best way to do that is to be around play experts, which ideally are children. They're children. Kids are really good teachers to play, and it's really contagious if you go with them. So the next time you're around a kid, I want you to put down your phone. Stop being afraid. They're really safe, I promise. Put down your phone and be present in the game that they're playing. Be a part of it. Get all caught up in it. When our kids were really little, uh, Dave and I needed to go do something for about an hour, and we left our two young boys with Dave's dad. They were on the floor, and they're building this tower out of Duplo Legos. We came back an hour later, and the tower was just, like, amazing. And Dave's dad is laying there diligently working. Our boys were gone. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where they had gone. But play, if you let it play, it'll sweep you up in it. As an adult, you can get all caught up in it. So let someone younger remind you how to start. All right, second, I want you to look for any opportunity to play. You don't have to wait till you're done at work or at the grocery store or at the doctor's office and then say, okay, from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm going to play. That's not how it works. You can play anywhere. A few years ago, uh, here at church, uh, Vanessa and Jonathan started sort of a prank war with Dave and I, which they handily won. But it started when I hear these giggles outside my office and this battery-operated roach just goes running by. And then a couple weeks later, they really, we gave up at this point. We came in and all the furniture in our office was missing. And we found it in the narthex wrapped up like Christmas presents. <laughs> like all of it. You don't have to wait for a perfect opportunity. You can play anywhere and anytime if you're looking for the chance to do it. All right, third, you need to remember that you're never too old or too smart too important or too busy to play. There's, someone, there's a play expert, and his name is Stuart Brown, and he writes, the more advanced the species, the more it plays. So when you play, you're not being childish. You are the most advanced person in the room. You're never too important to play. And as we move towards Christmas, we remember again this amazing gift God gave to us. 
when God who was all-important and all-powerful and all-knowing and had so much to do stooped down to be with you and me, put on flesh and blood and came into this world with all its limitations because he loved us that much. And if our God can stoop down from being God to be with us, you and I, we're not too important to stop and play and to remember that God is God and we are not.